then through us, take a moment to forget about ourselves and concentrate on him. May we lift up our love to our God. May we worship and bless his holy name. Taste of our hearts. Accept the Lord in thy sight. We are our rock 
and our Redeemer, we pray. Amen. 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 As we continue to worship our God today, we encourage you to fellowship and worship with us a little something like this. We want to tell Go ahead and greet somebody next to you. Welcome them in the house of God.
Galatians chapter 4, Galatians chapter 4, I want to thank God for another opportunity to be here before you guys today, God surely has been good to us, even if you don't think he has been, just, just think about how you woke up this morning, even if you feel that God hasn't blessed you because you had a hard time this year, where well, you still breathing, Amen. still walking and talking, yeah. and that's good enough to praise him. Amen. 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 The scripture reading will come from Galatians chapter 4. We're going to go down to verse 4. Pastor is going to preach about waiting, waiting for the right time. Waiting for the right time. Amen. The subject he's dealing, dealing with is praise. All right. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Galatians chapter 4. We'll be able to begin with verse 4. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who are slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, pumping us to call out what? Abba, Father, you with me. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Amen, church. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed. Be thy name, Lord. Lord, we want to come first of all, come thanking you, Lord. Father, just thank you for uh, another day, Heavenly Father. Father, we thank you from the time you touched us and awakened us this morning to this point in time, Heavenly Father. You allowed us to clothe ourselves and, Heavenly Father, feed ourselves and move about, Heavenly Father. Because there's so many people can't do those little things, Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are in control and nothing is catching you by surprise, Heavenly Father. Father, we thank you that you are the Alpha and the Omega, the one which was and is and is to come, the everlasting God, and there is none else. There is no other Savior whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for sending your only begotten Son to die on the cross for our sins, for he knew no sins. And we 
Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, for us coming out this morning to gather to worship your holy name, Lord. Lord, I'm asking right now, Lord, help us. Help us to just forget about ourselves. Help us to forget about what happened yesterday, last week, six months ago, last year, Heavenly Father. Help us to just concentrate and focus on your goodness. Focus on your power. Focus on your love. Focus on your mercy, your faithfulness, your gentleness, your kindness, Heavenly Father. Let's just focus on you, Heavenly Father. Father, thank you, Lord. I know this year, Lord, we may have lost loved ones along the way, Heavenly Father. Father, some of us, Heavenly Father, are grieving that loss, Heavenly Father. We didn't have Christmas to celebrate with them, Lord. But through it all, Lord, you still kept us. You still watched over us and you still protected us, Heavenly Father. Father, let us never take it for granted, Heavenly Father, that innocent blood was shed for us. Heavenly Father, let us always care about and remember, Heavenly Father, that you love us in spite of. Heavenly Father, and we thank you, Lord. Lord, please bless, Heavenly Father, as we prepare to go into 2024, Heavenly Father. Father, I ask that you bless us to be more prosperous in our health, in our mind, in our bodies, in our spirits, Heavenly Father, than we were in 2023, Heavenly Father. Help us to have a closer relationship with you in 2024 than we had in 2023, Lord. Help us to always trust and lean on you and not our own understanding. Lord, please bless every song that will be sung, every prayer that will be prayed. Please bless the God of Jesus Christ that's going to go forth and it changes us from the inside out. Lord, we praise you, we thank you, and we magnify you. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Let the church say amen. Amen. Amen.
you loved us in such a special way that you sent your son, our Lord and our Savior, to come from heaven to earth to show us the way. Now, Father, as we open up this word, we continue to open up our lives to you, that you be glorified, you be magnified, but all that is said and is done in our lives. Father, show us our errors of our ways, that we will walk in righteousness with you. We thank you that you are faithful and just. Forgive us, Lord, of all our sins. We confess to you and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now, God, as we walk in right relationship with you, help us through the preaching moment that we might see Jesus and have your word hidden in our heart that we might not sin against you, Lord, we pray. Amen. As we prepare to turn the calendar year, and we look for a new year, we look for a new time, I want to talk about today waiting for the right time. As oftentimes we will say, wait for next year, um, or something will happen next year. And what we're basically saying is that what's happening right now is not beneficial. What's happening right now is not working out in my favor. So we have a sense of a hope that maybe next year it might be a better year. It might be a better time. It might work out in my favor. But I want to encourage you that you don't always have to wait for next year. Right now can be that time. The Bible makes it very clear that today is the day of salvation. Heart or not your heart. I'm always, I want you to understand that oftentimes when God's dealing with the Bible, it's often dealing with the present time. Now's the time to get right. Now's the time to turn it over to God. And so I want to encourage you, so as you're making your vision boards, you're making your New Year's resolutions, you're making your plans, I want you to understand that you might not keep your plan. Because what happens is that you're looking for the end of the year, what's going to be the outcome. Now realize that's going to take each day you being committed and making a conscious effort to do what you said you're going to do. So I want to encourage you that if you want to do it, every day should be the time to say, Lord, make me new. Mm. Today's the time. Let me get right with God. As we look at our text, I want to encourage us that we want to respond with faith and obedience in our lives to know that God's perfect timing in our life is always at the right time. When we look at our text, we're dealing with Galatians, as author is telling us about how God has preached his, I'm sorry, Paul has preached his great gospel about our God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. But what's happening here is that there's some people in here trying to dilute and change this gospel. And we're dealing with a time in the world now that when we allow somebody to change what we know to be real, that becomes our new normal. Normal can be defined as a behavior or condition which is usual, expected, typical, or conforms to a pre-existing standard. We are living in a sin-sick world. And this sin-sick world will always tempt us to go back to sin instead of seeking righteousness. That's why Paul, the same author of this letter, Galatians, we're about to unpack verse in chapter 4 in Romans 12, 2. He said, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world. But yet let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think when you learn and know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You understand that God can change the way you think? Well, we can repurpose our mind and refocus and focus on him. That's why oftentimes we talk about forget about ourselves and concentrate. Basically, what we're trying to say is that how can I refocus and put all my hope and all my passion on him that's able to change every situation in my life? So what has been made normal in our lives today may not always be good for us. 
We have normalized bad behavior, and it has, and we have desensitized that oftentimes we hear such bad information, it does not shock us anymore. You hear people say that I'm not shocked because we have been desensitized of the atrocities that we have consistently seen, that we hear it so much now that we turn off the news because we don't want to hear it anymore. But I want to encourage you, don't, get norm, don't be normalized with mediocrity. Mediocrity, you know, means you're just uh, above the bottom. Mediocrity is not good. It means you're just not the best. But also, you're not the worst, but you're just a little bit above the worst. <laughs> but yet, when we are striving for excellence, we are higher up. And we want to go for what God is called. Where is God? Sitting high. And he is perfect. He is good. So we shall always be trying to grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding how to live out our will for him. And so I want to highlight that some people want to normalize some things and make you think you're doing the right thing. So keep on doing what you're doing instead of you changing your thought process, changing the way you behave, changing the way you act to be more like God, our Father. I can't say God's my Father when I don't act like he's my dad. This reminds me of the fable some of us are familiar with, right? The, the eagle and the chicken. You know the fable, right? The story has an eagle net and egg somehow got caught up with the chickens. And the farmer decided that, well, it must be a chicken because he's with all them chicks. And so he keeps them chicken feed, and then you know the chickens don't fly, so the eagle don't fly. But yet somebody on the outside was looking and saw that you're not a chicken, you're an eagle. But the eagle did not believe him, so therefore he kept on being a chicken. But the story goes on that once the farmer took the eagle out of the hen house and took him out of the farm and took him up to the mountains and looked up to the sun and said, look, do you see you are meant to soar towards the sun and soar in the sky? And he put the eagle up and the wind started catching the eagle's wings and the eagle's wings spread out and the wind started picking up the eagle and said, this is different here. And then the eagle soared. But yet it took him how to get out of the condition that he became normalized to see that there was something different outside and realize there was greatness in him that he did not see. Well, I want to encourage you to understand that God sees greatness in you. But you got to get out of the condition that you have been normalized. I think I'm made to be like this. I'm made to be mediocre. I'm made to live in the sin. Well, God has called you to greater heights to do greater things. God's love for us wants us to see our fullest potential in him. And he will set us free from the bondage of sin, the bondage of mediocrity, the bondage of thinking this is the best that I can be when I'm not walking in his power and in his purpose. But I want to encourage you today that you are good enough, you are special enough, and you are loved more than you know by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you are free, but yet you got to know that you are free. Harriet Tubman made it very clear that I could have freed more slaves if they only knew that they were slaves. Oftentimes in our lives, we don't know who we ought to be, so we stay who we think we should be. Same thing as that you received a message, and it said that you would have won this money, but you threw that away with all the junk mail. Come on, somebody. And then by saying, don't you know you won? So you said, won what? You didn't open up the message. I'm here to encourage you to let you know God has sent the message and the messenger of Jesus Christ that you are that great, you are that good, and you are that loved, that because of Christ you may call him Abba Father, 
and have a right relationship with our God. When you look at our text, if you open up your Bible with me, Galatians 4th chapter, before I get to that, I want to highlight a little where we are right now in this 4th chapter of Galatians. Uh, this is one of the Paul's epistles that he wrote to the early church, and yet when I want to highlight that Paul is writing a letter basically defending his honor. Uh, they have discredited him. They say he's not who he says he is. And they're also saying that the gospel is not as good as he preaches the Bible. So early in this letter, Paul is dealing with agitators who are trying to discredit him and his authority and also are trying to discredit this gospel that he has been preaching. That's why in Galatians 1 and 8, he says that let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. You see that there? He did not dis- He did not. Arouse, allow himself not to be included and say, if I am wrong, may God punish me as so. But he's letting them know that I have been preaching what I know to be true because I know this to be true. This gospel is for everyone. So he also has some Jews and some agitators in, agitators in there trying to say that it's not for the Gentiles. But yet, Galatians 2.16 says, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ. Not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. This is when we understand that being good enough is not good enough. That you can do good deeds, you can have good intentions, but if you don't know the good shepherd as your Lord and Savior, good enough is not good enough. We got to confess him as our Lord and Savior, have him hidden in our heart and and walk in obedience and realize I got to live in the spirit and not in the flesh. And so that's why Paul is writing to them to let them know that all that work you're doing, all these other things you're trying to discredit me. I want you to understand this one truth. That's where we are in our text today. Y'all with me? But when the right time came, God sent his son. Born of a woman subject to the law. I want to highlight here that Paul is pointing out that the law is important. But yet understand the law does not rule over the son. Notice he says, but at the right time. Y'all see the time comes into place here? That at the right time. God steps always steps up at the right time. That God's timing and our timing may not always align. But one thing I know we can all agree that when God shows up, it's the right time. Mm. So knowing that God's timing is always right, that means I need to learn how to wait on God's time. God would arise when he wants to arrive because he knows when everything is set in place for him to do what he's going to do. God's moving to send Jesus at that moment and at that time as we celebrated Christmas, as we celebrated his advent, as we celebrated being born of the Virgin Mary, coming through 42 generations of the lineage of David just to die on the cross for our sins. God made it clear that that was at the right time. God's timing in this text indicates a change for the better in our life. At this moment in history, God moved to set our life in order towards salvation. It was at this moment that Mary gave birth. It's at this moment that Mary was carrying the baby that we'll find out will soon be carrying us to delivery. We understand that this is the moment in time that God stepped in. So he's pointing out closely here that don't get caught up by other people saying what you got to do to get in. Well, God did all he needed for you so you that you could get into heaven. And think about it at the right time. 
As I think about at the right time, I think it was some other idioms we say, in the nick of time. When somebody showed up, right, in the nick of time, right? It was at the time that you needed them the most. They weren't early, they were not late, but they were in the nick of time. Because if they showed up any other time, it would not have been at the right time. Watch out, somebody. Then you call somebody a lifesaver, which means that they showed up at the right time to save your life. It might have been how they had another dollar to help you pay for your groceries. I'm talking to somebody here. It might have been how they showed up the right time. You had a flat tire, right? It was at the right time. Oh, you're a lifesaver. And the other time, you say, just in time. It might have been you got to that doctor's appointment just in time because they're going to move you ahead because you know you missed your appointment five minutes. They're going to move you out. You can wait for 30 minutes, but they can't wait five minutes for you to show up. But just in time. You got to the door, they're about to lock that door, but you needed something. They saw you coming in. They let you in just in time. We understand how time works. God manifested himself in time, just in time, in the nigger time. He was our Savior. This amazing presentation of our amazing Lord, of his amazing love towards us. Paul is pointing out to them that don't discredit all the work that God has done for you. Don't discredit everything that God has done for you by thinking you can work your way into heaven. Because if you can work your way into heaven, then Christ died for nothing. But he did not die for nothing. He died for something, for the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And so at the right time, Christ showed up so that we might have liberty, that we might have freedom. Another way to look at this in verse, uh, verse 5, New Living Translation says God sent him to buy our freedom. But another translation of verse 5 says that, he, that God came, that Jesus came to redeem. And what it's saying that what he bought or what he purchased was that he redeemed us. He established our freedom that we were slaves to sin, but he purchased our freedom so that we would no longer be bondage and enslaved to sin. But where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Who the son sets free is Free indeed. And so here it is that Christ came because the Spirit of the Lord was upon him to set the captives free, to make the blind receive sight, the lame to walk. So here it is that he's receiving us so that we will be able to know him and full knowledge and understanding as God the Son that takes away the sin of the world. To think about he purchased your freedom means that he put up and took you out of death. And here's the debt that we had, that sin was going to lead to death, and death leads to separation from God. And separation from God leaves you without any hope. But yet we have hope because Jesus is our hope. And so God gave us hope by sending his son. Notice again, notice that verse uh, New Living Translation says God sent his son. But also, if you look at verse 4, it says God sent his son. And also we know John 3, 6, for God so loved the Lord he Gave. And so what I want to highlight here, that God knew at the moment and at what time he needed to send his gift, that you might be saved, that you might be redeemed, that you might be washed by the blood of the Lamb, that you might be set whole. Think about that. God purchased us and redeemed us so that we would not suffer death and separation. But notice that we will be redeemed. This is also a common theme, definitely for the Israelites to hear, more, more so than some of the Gentiles, because they know that how they were redeemed from Egypt, how they were bought by the blood of a lamb. That's why we celebrate the Passover. It was the blood of the lamb. It was the lamb that had to be sacrificed to save their firstborn son. Well, what happened was the firstborn son that saved us. 
And it was at the right time that he stepped in time so that it would work out for our redemption. We don't want to be caught up living in sin, being enslaved. Here's the problem again, that if, we, if you don't know that you are enslaved, then you don't think there's anything wrong. But when it comes to a moment of time that i got to put God before something else, and I start struggling with that, that's when you know you're enslaved. That you have another master that's not God. And this is, this is the challenge that many of us have, that we want to start things over, but yet we haven't started things right. Now's the right time to say, God, you are the head of my life. And I'm going to place you first in my life. Now, now, now I can't say I'm going to have a better year next year when I'm not going to be a better disciple of Christ. I got to know who he is for myself. I got to spend quality time with my God and pray and allow him to work in me and transform me and renew me so that I can call out him, Abba, Father. When I call him Father, I, don't, I want to be confident and not be ashamed. I'm ashamed when I'm not doing what I should be doing. And this is what the Bible reminds us because the Holy Spirit will convict us of the errors in our lives. When we are children of God the Father, we are looking to be led by the Holy Spirit that we receive from Jesus. And you'll so notice this, that God sent the Son, and the Son sent the Holy Spirit. And here it is that God wants us to be related to him, so he sent the Son to send the Holy Spirit so that we might know him and fully understand him, so that when God sees us, he sees Jesus. And that's why Jesus says that anything you ask in my, in my name to my Father, he will give to you. Because why? You've related to me. This happens when we fear God. and We worship him. We serve him. We honor him. We want to walk in obedience to him. Proverbs 1 and 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. When we understand that God is going to chastise us, we understand that I'd rather do good than to be chastised by my dad. Proverbs 9 and 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. So the better I know my Father, the better I know His Word, the wiser I am. Which means that I can make good judgment. A lot of people have knowledge but don't have wisdom. Wisdom means I'm not applying the knowledge that I have. And by me studying the word of God, I gain this knowledge to apply this and show how my wisdom in my decision, because of the word of the Holy Spirit reminding me what to do, is good. And so when we see that we have been bought by the blood of the Lamb, and now we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Look again at this, that God sent the Son at the right time to be subject of the law, which means that we are slaves to the law, but he broke the, slave, the, the chains and the burden of the law because of his grace. You understand that grace covers us because the law tells us there's a punishment due. So the law tells us what we should receive. That's why Paul was very adamant about this for the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Notice that I don't have the gift of life by myself. But it's through Christ Jesus. I have to place my faith in him. And when do I got to place my faith in him? Now, because now is the time. Not tomorrow. Tomorrow might be too late. But now is the time that I can place my faith in him. And say, Lord, I want to be right with you. And then we'll bring him glory and honor. Because here's what the Holy Spirit does for us. It helps us. That's what Jesus was teaching his disciples on the night of his betrayal. Verse 
16, I'm sorry, chapter 16 in the gospel according to John, verses 12 and 15 says, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it all now. When the spirit of the truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. That's why Paul is able to say that I am faithful. And I believe these things, that God works out for the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose. Look, look what the Holy Spirit says, that it's going to work it out for your future. God knows his plans he has for you. God knows what he wants to have happen in your life. And he's going to work it out for your future, for his glory. That's why we scream so much confidence from this great song, the 23rd number song, right? It says, he leads me in the righteousness for his name's sake, right? He leads me for his name's sake, which is for his glory, which is for my future. That's why I don't fear when I go to the shadow of darkness, up in the valley of shadow of darkness. Understand is that knowing that God is with me, who dare be against me? I don't know what I might be facing, but I know I'm not facing it by myself. Come on, somebody. To know that I got help, I got strength, I got power to help me out. Knowing that I will be weak, but when I am weak, then I am strong. Because I place my faith in him. They that wait upon the Lord say what? Renew their strength. So the Holy Spirit encourages me and, and builds me up uh, to trust in God. To know that God is a present help in the time of trouble. And knowing that God is doing all things to bring his glory into my life. So therefore, I must continue to discipline myself to be a child of God. Not trying to please God by doing good works, but realize that I need to please God by changing from the inside out. That I might need to change the way I talk, the way I walk, and, and make a covenant of God that my hands be used for things that are good, that bring glory and honor unto you. That I know the gospel for myself. So when somebody tells me something that's different, that's outside the word of God, I may be able to ask them, where do you find that in the text? I don't need to argue with them, I don't need to debate with them, but they cannot give me an address. Let them know, say, well, I'm going to keep on believing what I know to be true until you can show me what you found out, what you said to be true. When I can read in this Bible, it says, for God so loved the world he gave, his only begotten son. When I can read in this word that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When I read in this word that he's going to open up the Lamb's book of life and those whose names in the Lamb's book of life will enter into his kingdom. When I know that to be true, then I cannot believe if I do this, I'm going to be saved. But when Christ says that if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow after me. Well, then I need to make sure that I am every day denying myself to pick up my cross and follow after him. I can't wait for next year. Now is the right time. Every day of my life is the right time to let God know I'm going to serve him. I need to have a daily time of reading and devotion. I want to encourage you that you may have your daily bread or your upper room that we have here or another devotion that you like to read. You might miss some days because of the business of our day. You don't feel good that day. You feel sick that day. Or you got up late and you're rushing that day. I understand that's going to happen. Don't beat yourself up. Just cast your back on God and say, Lord, I messed up. 
But I know I need you today. You understand what I'm getting here? We're not perfect. We don't be like you're trying to be a robot and every day I'm not going to miss. You won't miss. But have a heart and an attitude. God, I don't want to spend that much long without you. That I'm going to spend some time with you. So I'm going to miss you in the morning, but I won't miss you in the evening. I got to make a moment of time. Say, Lord, I can't go a day without you. The more you realize, you're going to find out. Just like you can't go a day without a cup of coffee. Come on, somebody. You're going to find out. You're going to find a way to get in. You're going to make a beeline. You're on your way to work. I'm going to be late today. I'm going to get this cup. I know, I know what I'm talking about. And we have, you got to do the same time with God. I said, Lord, I can't make it without you. I got to spend this time with you. This time that we need to be still. And let God be God. Maybe you need to turn off the radio. Maybe you need to just take a little walk. Maybe you just need to sit and just meditate on his goodness. And allow him to fill you with his peace. With his joy. With his comfort. Because the joy is that Galatians 4 verse 7 says, You are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. We live in a time now that we like those stories and, and, and we like to talk about people becoming you know, access to royalty. But do you not know that your story is, has you access to royalty when you know Jesus Christ? I, I know your picture did not show up on no grandma's magazine talking about you the next heir. But yet that paper is going to be burned up. But when your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, when earth and heaven fades away, they will point out that I have another celebrity come on in. And know that you are heir, that you have access to the God that owns the cattle and the thousand years. The earth and the fullness belongs to him. The gold belongs to him. That everything belongs to him. That Christ made it very clear that anything you ask my father, then he will bring unto you. Because we want to be according to his glory. Not for our opulence, not for our access, not for what we want. But say, God, will this bring you glory and bring you honor? So let us walk with humility, knowing that our daddy is rich. Do you understand how we walk with humility, knowing that our daddy is rich? Jesus was born of a carpenter's son. He did not have a palace, and he did not walk around with a philosopher and say, hey, I'm big and great. Y'all just sit down and listen to me talk. He had a trade. They said, isn't that the carpenter's son? They understood that we know his brother. He's nobody special. We know his brothers and his sister. We know who he is. He's not trained like we are. How dare he speak with such power and such purpose because he's God? And he showed us that humility is strength. Tell you never, humility is strength. We live in a time now that aggression makes somebody strong and bad, but yet knowing how you can turn the other cheek, knowing how you don't have to have the last word, that you don't have to prove somebody how strong you are because you can slam them down to the ground. Or that somebody can slam you down to the ground, yet you have enough strength and restraint that you can get up, dust yourself off, and walk the other way. That's strength. They're going to call you name, though you are this, you are that, because you don't want to fight back. But yet, what did they say about Jesus? Look how he hangs on the cross. He was able to raise other people up and heal them. Heal yourself. They thought they had it. Not knowing all the strength he had was being expressed to them by withholding him coming down from the cross. Because he told them that I have legions of angels on standby, ready to come on down. 
We celebrated those same angels when he was born. They say, y'all don't know who's here. But let me tell you, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. They know who he is, but when we don't know who he is, we don't know how to respond. We don't know how to react. That's why we got to spend time in our word and know how great he is that we can quote what Paul wrote the same in the same letter. Galatians 2.20 says, my old soul has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live this earth is earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So let's live with spiritual discipline and submission to the will of the Lord. When's the time to do it? Now is the time to do it. Let us not gratify this flesh, but seek to feed the spirit. We need to pray more, we need to study more, and let us be filled with the word of God. We have heard people say, wait until next year. We have heard people say, I'm going to do it again later, or I'm going to try it again tomorrow. We put off things today that we can do today off till tomorrow. But I want to encourage you that if you know the Lord, you know victory happens today. If you have been waiting for the right time, the time is now. The place is here. I declare today that now is the right time for you to give your life to Jesus if you have not done so before. Right now is the time to turn it over to God and say, Lord, have thine own way. Because with God, we are more than conquerors because he is always victorious. So stop stressing about and worrying about what's going to happen next year when you don't even know what's going to happen today. But at the moment of time, while you have consciousness, while you're still lucid, you can say, Lord, I believe you to be my personal Lord and Savior. And every day be the right time to walk and renew that relationship with him. Let the love of God encourage you. From surrender and, and encourage you surrendering to his good and perfect will. Now, those who know him know that God is good. And all the time, God is good. We know that we are blessed with brand new grace and mercy each and every day. We know that we've been through some bad times. Matter of fact, we say that we we, we not say bad times, I mean some horrible times, some terrible times we've gone through. But through it all, we know that joy comes in the morning. Because we believe in Jesus. And so we understand that when we repent of our sins, we embrace God's grace and his peace in our lives. And we renew and change our mind to no longer live for ourselves, but to live for him. But I want to encourage you that some of you may not know this for yourself. That's why I like the Psalms when he says, 34 and 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Can I highlight when it says those, the joys of those who take refuge in him? It means that when storms come in my life, I said when, because a storm will come. And you're saying when, because you're saying you're already in the storm. Well, I want you to know that while you're still in the storm, knowing that he is still a present help in a time of trouble, and you can find refuge in him. You know how they teach the children at a young age what to do when a tornado may come or a fire may come. They're teaching them to find refuge somewhere, somehow. And oftentimes, the position that they get in refuge, they got to get low, under the ground, under some form of shelter to protect them. Y'all see the symbolism here? There's some times in our lives that we need to get low, that we need to bow down in his presence and seek shelter under the Lord. 
knowing that he is my head and my protection. He is my covering. He is my rock. He is my refuge. In the time of the Old Testament, they would run to the hills because they went to where the mountains were to realize that this is sturdy, this is strong, to stop from things from hurting or coming after me. May I encourage you to look to God and may he be your refuge. The psalmist says, take and see that the Lord is good. There's a hymn many of us may know that says, he's sweet. I know. He's sweet. I know. Storms, clouds may rise and strong winds may blow. But I'll tell the world wherever I go that I found a Savior. And he's what? So now's the time. If you have not tasted the sweetness, now's the time. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we don't have to wait, that we can call on you right now, because you are a present help in the time of trouble. Oh, God, we thank you that you are sweet. You're sweeter than the honey from the honey But you revive us, refresh us, almighty oh, God. Lord, there might be someone that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that they will come to know that you are sweet, that you are precious, that you are worthy of all the praise. And God, I thank you that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, that Christ was Lord and died on the cross for our sins, we shall be saved. Lord, I pray that there might be someone today looking for a church home, looking for a place to be baptized and celebrated the communion of the saints, that you would lead them to that Bible-leaving, preaching, teaching church where they can be grown in disciples. Father, we look forward as we turn over this town this new year, but today, Lord, we realize we can't do it without you. So, Father, we surrender to you. Have not our way. You are the potter. We are the place. Shape us and mold us, Almighty God, and do it for your glory. Do it for our future. Do it for your pleasing and good will. Now, Father, as we continue to worship you, God, Prepare to give, Lord, your tithes and our offerings back to you. Father, we thank you for the means to receive. We thank you for the means to obtain. And Father, we ask to bless those, Lord, who have desired to give, but yet have not. Uh, Father, we thank you, Lord, you supply all our needs. And so, Father, continue to bless us as it will be given, that it be, be used for the building of your kingdom and the work of your great gospel. In Jesus Christ's name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. This is our last Sunday of this calendar year. Amen. We pray to give God his tithes and his offering. An opportunity for us to look forward to the new year. Amen. So close that we can bless our God and give to him. We all belongs to him. Ask the ushers uh, to, to come forward. And if there might be you today uh, that's looking for a church home, that's you today that says, today I want to give my life to Christ. We welcome you as we come and march around for the offering us. And we have the, the deacons and, and the ministers here for it. Uh, you might seek us and say, what must I do? Uh, to join this church, what must I do to be saved? We'll be happy to share this good news uh, with you. Uh, Thus, please come forward and follow their instructions.
Christ as I leave this place. Whenever Miss Christ has made a sweet communion of the Holy Spirit, God and direct until we meet again. All God is the same together. Tell them Jesus loves you, eh?